Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. I would love you to open up your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 2. We're working through the book of Ephesians verse by verse, right through the whole uh, six chapters. And this morning we're going to be going through verses 1 through to 9. Um, the last couple of weeks, I just wanted to reiterate again, um, we looked at the reasons why Paul was writing uh, to the, to the uh, Ephesians church, and we saw that part of his motivation to writing to the book of Ephesians, is that the, excuse me, to the Ephesians church, is the Ephesians church was getting caught up in worldliness. Their, their focus as a church was no longer the purity of the gospel and pursuing the first love that they had for Jesus, but the church had got all messed up and was now pursuing worldliness. And we said in our first introduction, we, we then moved forward 30 years later to the writing of um, Revelations chapter 2, and it's a letter from Jesus himself specifically to the church at Ephesus. And again, 30 years beyond the writing of the book of Ephesians by Paul, we see Jesus warning the church about being too focused on worldly things. And this morning, I believe that that's a big warning for each of us. Amen. Oh, yeah. It's so easy to cross the line where we, we forget that we are owners of nothing but managers of everything. It's so easy for us to, to, to think that our wealth is about us when our wealth belongs to God. Amen. And it's so easy for us to, 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 to sort of slip from, from, from just that first love of Jesus and our love for the house of God to slipping into that, that sense of the worldliness and, and getting seduced by all the things that are in the world. And as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, um, we've been reminding ourselves, just as Paul was and just as Jesus did, that we need to be very, very careful that we don't just have a sound theological understanding we must have a sound theological understanding, but we also must have works to our faith. We must have understanding and we must have application. Amen. And that's the journey that we've been on with the book of Ephesians today. That it's not only just learning about what the Word of God is teaching us, but it's looking at how we apply it to our lives as well. Amen. So we looked at the scripture from James chapter 2, verse 17, I think it is. The, um, uh, help me correct me, someone, please. I, I think it's there. Bernard, is that right? I think it's around there. It says that faith without works is dead. Amen. So we must be continually reviewing ourselves and asking ourselves the question, have I got application to my faith? I've got this knowledge and understanding of what the Word of God is saying to me. And this morning, it's a bit of a challenging topic that we'll be looking at. Um, but then we've got to ask ourselves a question as we hear this this morning and as we learn it, how are we applying it to our lives? Amen. So that's the whole journey. That's the challenge that Paul was bringing to the church in Ephesus. And that's the challenge that Jesus was bringing to the church 30 years beyond. Amen. So as we launch again into these, thought, into these um, verses, these texts this morning, let's continually remind ourselves in our minds and our hearts that we must apply what we're learning from the things that we're reading. Amen. And a couple of things that we've, we've learned from uh, the last few Sundays together, we saw that the Father's chosen us, the Son's redeemed us, the Holy Spirit has sealed us, and we have been called by God. Amen. That's what we've been looking at. And today we're going to read from chapters 1 through to 9 and I'll finish before 11 o'clock. I, I, I'm... His name, amen. Who believes I can? 
Two hands, three hands. Oh, I'm not that bad, am I, Robin? Seriously. So before we do, I want us, I want us to look at because oh, not even the words to be able to put it into a way of understanding it, but Paul says in verse 18 of, of, of chapter 1, he, he prays a prayer, and the prayer is this, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory and inheritance of the saint. The eyes of our heart, our spiritual eyes, Paul is asking us to be given a greater knowledge, a, a greater understanding, a greater uh, depth to the calling of God that's upon our lives. And you know, as I, I just keep wrestling with with these thoughts and, and wrestling with the thought that God has called me before the foundation of time, that my life is not an accident. Amen. God chose me before the foundation of time and called me. We, we saw last week that that word they're calling is an invitation. That's what it means, that we're invited to work in the redemptive work of Jesus on the planet. Amen. And I just wanted to start this morning with that thought there that, the, that, that God would give us a greater revelation about his calling on our lives. You are called, I'm called, we're called this morning to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to make a difference. We're not called just to live normal lives like other people. We're not just called to go to work and make money and, 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 and get possessions and, and then die. No, we're called by God. He calls us to an adventure. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> nice watch too, bro. That's a ripper. It's huge. Ah, it's because you're losing your sight, are you? Ah, smart me too. Your arms aren't long enough anymore. So I just before we moved any further, it's like, God help us to, to, to just to wrestle with this thought about being called. Called by God. The Father has called us. We saw last week that it's a holy calling. Not, not, not an average calling. Not a standard calling. Not, 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 not just a plain. We, we call with a holy calling from God. And that's why Paul's like, before, before he even launches into the thought about calling, he says, God, help us, help us all to get a revelation, help us to see the eyes of our spirit go, wow, God, I see the depth, the width, the height of the call of God upon our lives. It's massive. It's ridiculously huge. It's incredible. That's why the Bible says, I has not seen, um, ear has not heard, neither is it entered into the heart of man, woman, the things that God has stored up for those that love him. The call of God is just incredible. That's why we, we need to, like I said last week, to, to take some time to really reflect on it. Well, well God, where, what have you called me for? Who, who are you calling me to? The call is about following Jesus and joining with him in participating in his redemptive work on the earth. And the opportunity of understanding the call of God in a Christian's life it can time be confused with personal dreams and ambitions. I want to be the best fisherman in a shell harbor. In fact, I am. <laughs> You're right. I want to travel the world. It's okay. 
But the purpose of a divine call or even a call to minister is not something we create, but something God places within us. And I want to say about the call, you will know about the call because the call will be about others. It will be about others. That's, that's everything that it's about. Your call, the call of God upon your life is to not to make you a rock star, a star. It's to make you uh, get a heart to know that your calling is about helping others. Amen. And what I find about the call, it's seasonal. Your call right now might be raising your small children. You might be called right now to a job that you might think, well, I'm not that thrilled about it, but maybe that's where God's calling you right now. And maybe the Lord might be calling you to some endeavor, whatever the call is right now for your life. The key is found in this following verse that I want to share with you this morning as we jump into the text um, that we said we'd look at this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 should be our attitude in every phase of our lives. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever we do, we do with all of our heart. For who? For the Lord. Amen. Amen. If your job sucks right now, if it sucks, it's just like, it's really terrible. Wake up tomorrow morning and remember the real boss that you're working for. If you're at home right now and you've struggled with your mum and dad because, you know, they're wanting to bring boundaries around you and help you with wisdom and give you discipline and stuff like that and you just think they're bad parents, remember Jesus, amen? Remember he's the head who directs the rest. Hallelujah. So, let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 2. Open your Bibles this morning or your iPad, your phone, whatever it is. We're going to read through and then draw out one, one main thought this morning and then we'll be done together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, As for you, us, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We were spiritually dead to the things of God. We could not perceive God because spiritually we were dead. When we got born again, the eyes of our understanding, our heart were illuminated. And for the first time, we saw Jesus as he is the Savior and our Heavenly Father as God our Father. Amen. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Our eyes were illuminated. So it says we are dead in our transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Ever wondered why the world's a mess? Right? Right there. People blame God for lots of stuff. <laughs> Let's move on. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Verse 4. But... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised up with Christ and seated him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Listen to this thought this morning. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, 
and it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works that no man can boast. And that theme scripture this morning that we want to touch on is the topic of grace. Amen. Just looking at the topic of grace. So it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen to this thought this morning. The truth is that our salvation rests upon the shoulders of God's grace. And because of this, I think it's so important that we, rem- we are reminded of the grace by which we are saved, but also how we are meant to live out this understanding of the grace by which we've been saved. Amen? So we understand grace, but the challenge is how do we outlive grace? Amen? Come on. Come on. We, we, we understand grace, but then how do we outlive grace? Amen? We're going to look at that just very, very briefly this morning. The word grace... It's got to be the most beautiful word in the whole universe, amen? When you think about it, Phil Yancey calls it the last great word, amen? Grace, you were saved by grace. And this morning we want to define the word grace. The Greek word for grace is kari. It means favor, kindness, a free gift, undeserved favor. We've been saved through kindness with undeserved favor. So in other words, I I like some other words, they're like free, unmerited, unlimited, divine blessing, absolute favor, God's loving kindness demonstrated towards us, amen. You're saved today, not because of your great ideas and your great works or your, your fantastic lifestyle. You are saved today because of God's grace and his grace alone. Thank you, Lord. Unmerited favor. Hallelujah. I'm living in unmerited favor. I've been saved by grace. Amen. I love the thought this morning that every aspect of our lives are affected by God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we are saved by grace. Acts chapter 18, verse 27, we believe by grace. Romans 3.24, we are justified by grace. We are forgiven by grace. We are sanctified by by grace. And this morning, we want to look at a couple of parables. The first parable is an illustration of grace. And the second parable this morning is an illustration of grace and God's expectations upon us as to how we are to live out that grace. Amen. So are you ready for it this morning? The first one we find in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through to 31. 11 through to 31, can I encourage you sometime during the week, take some time to read through the story. The story is the parable of the prodigal son. Amen. And this morning we want to look at it and I think with much of what we read in Scripture, we've got to ask ourselves the question, when Jesus was speaking to this audience, what did it mean to them in their moment, in their time, in their culture? Right? We need to ask ourselves the question because often we could read, we could read the story of the prodigal son and just go, oh yeah, it's a good story, we sort of get it. But we're going to look at what it actually meant um, culturally when Jesus was telling this parable to his disciples this morning. So the story begins when we start to get a, a new understanding and we pick up the first verse of Scripture and it says, 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So we see that there's a son that comes to his father and he's had enough of living at home, whether or not he's gotten bored, we're not sure. But he says, hey, look, I want to break free. I want to get out of this house. Could you give me my inheritance? I'm not going to wait until you die. Give it to me now so I can go out there and live the way that I want to live, right? That's pretty much how the story goes. But if we take it culturally, and if we look at how and what that meant in a Jewish culture, when a son went and asked for his inheritance, it was like saying to his father, I wish you were dead. So when the son comes and says, give me my inheritance, we read it and go, oh, okay, well, that's fair enough. But in that time, in that moment, in that culture, it was like the son saying, dad, I wish you were dead. In fact, it would have absolutely rocked the family. It would have been like there was a death in the family. It completely and utterly rocked the whole family. That's what happened when he went to the father and asked for his inheritance. Bit of a difference there, isn't there? When you look at it that way. But that's the way that Jesus was sharing it. And that was the culture within which they lived. So we see that what happens next in verse 18, we see the son starts to come to his senses. He's out there, he's partying, he's spending his money, his inheritance on all sorts of wayward stuff. He gets to the end of himself. He's got no money left, right? So he thinks to himself, this is what I need to do in the next verse. He says, I will arise and go to my father's house and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Amen. Fair enough. Come back. Resettle, regroup. But in Jewish culture, this response would have been not to accept the son, but disown him or even stone him. Yeah. In the culture of the time, would have been to disown him or to stone him. He would have been completely disinherited. But this is what we look at. This is the picture of grace, the grace that God shows towards us. It says in verse 20, speaking of the father, it says, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and laid a big sloppy one on him. Awesome. My dad used to kiss me. <laughs> and then I had an, uh, an auntie that used to kiss me. Oh, Lord. Just like, I used to love the kisses from Pop, Dad. He's passed away now. But it says that he ran towards him, had compassion on him, fell on his neck and kissed him. Listen to this, the understanding of Jewish culture. The father was considered in the family the patriarch of the family. And because of this, the patriarch never ran or made the first move in a situation like this, it would have been the expectation that the son would come and grovel and beg and get down on his knees. But we see the father looking for the son, running towards the son and embracing the son. And this morning, listen, from this story we can see the unconditional love and forgiveness as a picture of God's grace towards us. God loves each of us as if there are only one of us. That's why it's like, Paul praying just to help us to get a revelation of how great the Father's love is. The greater revelation we get of the Father's love, I believe, the 
the more that we live in his presence. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we just thank you this morning. But Lord, I, I just pray today, Father, this week that you would just help to open up the eyes of our hearts, Lord. That we would understand the depth of the calling that you have upon our lives this morning, the calling that you place within us. And secondly, Lord, we would understand the power of grace by which we've been saved. Hallelujah. That you saw us in the distance, that you ran towards us, Lord. That you embraced us and kissed us. You've saved us, Lord, because of your grace, the grace of God. Our Heavenly Father, help to open up our eyes so that we would see it and understand it. Amen. So that's the first parable this morning. And I really encourage you to read it again because it's a picture of God's grace towards us. Amen. Loves us with an everlasting love. We can rest in that today. We know it's not because of our good works, because of our good looks, because of our good deeds. We are, we are saved uh, with God's unmerited favor because of his grace towards us amen we've been given the grace of god we're living in the unmerited favor of our father in heaven amen so that's the first part of our understanding of that parable but i want to conclude this morning with another parable because this morning remember it's about us understanding receiving the word and then it's about us looking at how do we then apply the word amen so we have grace, but then how do we show grace? Amen. Awesome. Drinking plenty of water because we know how hot it will be in Vanuatu tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. Be great. Be awesome. Might eat another bat, actually. Mm. Santo, they're fresh there, Dave, aren't they? Awesome. There's just something about seeing a dead animal on the side of the road sitting in the sun for a few hours that sort of puts you off wanting to buy anything. It does, Dan. You just go, oh, no, they say it's tasty, but three or four hours in that heat, you go, nah. So the next parable that we want to look at is in Matthew chapter 18. And we, we just want to read through it, and I won't jump the gun. It's still going well. Um, in Matthew chapter 18. Before I do, I, I want to remind us this morning, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, but be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. But be good stewards of the manifold grace. The word steward means to manage. So we're meant to manage well the grace of God in which we live. Amen? So this morning, we want to have a look at this scripture this morning. I've been, um, uh, we've been pastors, how many years have we been pastors, honey? I can't even remember. 21, 21 years pastors, hallelujah, glory to God. And you know, over that 21 years, I have been amazed sometimes by Christians and how they manage the grace of God. Because we've been shown so much grace, but there's been opportunities 
for Christians to show little grace in their dealings, in their relationships. And this, this scripture this morning, as we conclude, I think is really going to be a, a, a bit of a challenge to us this morning. So in Matthew chapter 18, if you want to open up your Bibles, verse 21 to 30. I'll read it to you this morning. I'll move on because we want to finish. It says um, in verse 21, Jesus said to them, I do not say to you up to seven times seven. So they come to him and say, how many times am I meant to put up with my sinning brother? So Jesus says, I tell you, seven, uh, not seven, up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment should be made. Fair enough, right? Yep. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him all his debt. What a lucky, blessed man. But, everyone say but. Say it a bit more gusto. But, it says, but the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid his hand on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Right. So we want to get it into a bit of, in, a bit of context. Amen. Dave, would you mind holding that up for me, mate? The first servant... He owed the master, what was it? 10,000 talents. And how many years of wages? 160 years of wages. That's what the first servant owed the master. Then on the other side of the equation, whoop, I think, um, Dennis, come on up if you would. Such a, hey, let's bless Dennis for the amazing work he does for the bookstore, amen? You do, mate. So this servant owes this guy that was forgiven of that much, this much. He owed him 100 denarii, which equated to 100 days' wages. Bit of difference there, right? The servant owed much less. He owed his master 100 denarii, which was worth about 100 days of wages. Question. Shouldn't he have willingly and happily forgiven the guy that owed him a hundred denarii? Shouldn't we willingly and openly forgive those who cause offences with us? Oh, you weren't as upbeat then. <laughs> Oh, look, I mightn't finish right on 5 to 11. We're past that one now. Just thinking about the grace this morning, right? And I'm driving in the car, and there was this push bike rider in front of me. Now, I know there's quite a few push bike riders in the, in the house, and that's all good, right? We love them all. But, but I was turning right at Shell, Shell Harbour, going right, and this guy's in the middle lane, and I'm like, mate, just get out of the way. And then I go around the corner and I go up the street a little bit and I know that he's run a red light because it went burgundy just as I started to go. He ran a red light. 
And I said, what a shocker, mate. You're running a red light. You're not only blocking the road. And I, I just felt God say, where's your grace? Because <laughs> I knew I was speaking on grace. And it was like the Lord challenged me and said, where's the grace in that, Shane? <laughs> None whatsoever. But, you know, we can do this all the time. We, we have been forgiven so much, and yet we can hold those that owe us so little to ransom. Because let's, let's go on and then we'll be done. Just stay there, guys, so we can just see that there. So it goes on, and then we're done. It says, but he refused to forgive him. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, you wicked servant. He said, I'd cancel your debt uh, of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown the same mercy on your follow, fellow servant as I have shown towards you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. In the parable, the master forgave the servant an amount that he could not have repaid. And yet the forgiven master was willing to, to forgive a debt that could be paid. See the difference this morning. God has forgiven us of so much and yet we fail often to show grace and forgiveness towards people that that potentially have done the smallest things to us we can develop attitudes towards those around us that are not attitudes of grace our hearts can become hard towards other people and you know as i conclude this morning the thought um, here is jesus final warning to us through here because he says in matthew chapter 18 verse 35 he says so my heavenly father also will do to you if you do not each of you from his or her heart forgive his brother or his sister their trespasses conclude with this thought god has been so extravagant with his love and forgiveness towards us that it would be incomprehensible if we chose not to show the grace towards others by forgiving people of their offenses or potential attitudes towards us. Amen. Be incomprehensible. So this morning, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dennis. I knew that. So this morning, you know, as we we conclude you know this this week as you get ready for your week um, are there people that that god's calling you to show grace to? It, it could be someone in your workplace right and they could be just the biggest pain or they could have the biggest attitude or they might even hate you i don't know how because you're a member of shell harbor community church i just this just wouldn't happen there's an aura wherever you go. But I, I reckon, just as God has forgiven us of a, an inconceivable amount and, and released us of all that debt, I reckon we need to be big enough and bigger than having a go with the guy on the bike. Amen. But being bigger this week and saying, well, God... Who can, we, who can I show grace to this week? Because you have shown me so much. You have given me so much grace. And I'm still living in that grace today. So this morning, we've learned about grace. But today and tomorrow, 
We've got to outlive the grace of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your great grace. Help us this week to be stewards of the manifold grace of God. Thank you so much for what you've forgiven us of. And today, Lord, this week, we just ask you to show us, help us to show the grace that we need to, to the world that you've called us to live in. We thank you for this opportunity. And everybody said amen. Steve, thank you so much this morning, mate. Appreciate that.